Welcome, welcome to another episode of Punt Intended, a fantasy NBA dynasty podcast hosted by Sports Ethos. I'm your host, Rhett Bauer, joined as always by my co-host, Travis Fuller. Hey, Rhett. Glad to be back. Glad to be recording another episode for everybody. Uh, we got a lot of lot of news. I mean, we, we it's been a little bit since we've done our last episode, so uh, we got a little bit of the de- trade deadline to cover. Uh, obviously, fantasy playoffs are are starting to hit heavy for everybody. So uh, it's exciting times right now in the NBA. Boy, is it because that trade deadline had a lot of moves that had fantasy consequences and dynasty consequences. And so we're just going to get right into it. We had a lot of guys jump up quite a bit. And the first one we're going to talk about should not be a surprise because it's Devin Vassell who has jumped up to a massive degree after Derek White went on the way out. Unsurprisingly, Romeo Langford has not impacted him at all. Uh, but Devin Vassell in the last three weeks since the deadline is sitting pretty at 52nd overall in 31 minutes a game, about 15 points, two threes, four rebounds, four assists, 1.1 steals, 0.6 blocks. And that is not unreasonable looking forward for him, is it? We loved Vassell so much coming into the, this year. I, I believe we had him at the start of the year when we did our ranks uh, right around 100, just outside that top 100. And that was mainly due to playing time and not knowing how much pop is going to give him. And they cleared the way with Derek White out of there. Vassell's been in that starting lineup, and he's definitely been producing in that lineup. And it, I don't see him coming out. I don't know how you can take him out now. No, definitely not. And that's what we've been saying all year, especially me on Twitter. It's like Vassell and DeJounte are the backcourt of the future. Like those are the two guys that make sense next to each other. Vassell is doing so much with the ball in his hands. DeJounte, you know, he gets those random knee bruises, which is basically pop sitting the starters. Uh, just just love the guy. We have him in the like the 60 range for our dynasty mm-hmm. rankings, which seems aggressive. But at the same time, if he's... 21 years old he's already putting up top 50 top 60 numbers like it's tough to not have him in that same range for dynasty because if you're already putting that up per game at 21 years old you've got to project for some growth definitely and and definitely uh the word growth you just mentioned it and you'd, you'd rather be a year too early than a year too late and he's a guy that absolutely you want to go after and get him now before next year when he's playing consistently in the 30 minute range and he possibly a top 60, top 50 player uh, with the numbers that we know he's capable of putting up on a nightly basis. Yeah, if you didn't already acquire Vassell, it's going to be very difficult to do so. But I would still think that there are some dynasty managers out there who don't believe in what Vassell's doing and think it's a little bit inflated. So you may be still able to buy, but you, you may have missed your chance if you didn't already acquire him. Another guy that we have loved this year who is starting to get more run and in a more ideal role is Wendell Carter Jr., who is sitting right next to Devin Vassell since the trade deadline at 51st overall. Mo Bamba is not playing nearly as much. They're running with Okiki at the four next to Carter. He's at 31 minutes, 19 points, 10 boards, three and a half assists, one block, great percentages. And I mean, we've got we've got Wendell Carter Jr. up there towards the 60 mark too, don't we? Yeah, I mean, he just does a little bit of everything. And we know the value of young big men in this league. It's so difficult to be able to find young guys that play the five position. It's kind of getting phased out in the NBA. So 
we had to move him up just based on what he's been doing and the fact that he's still only what is he, 22. Um, he's got the new contract. Looks like Mobamba is going to be moving on at the end of the year. So that that center spots his moving forward. And he's just been an, a solid all around producer and a guy you want on your team because he's not going to really hurt you anywhere. Yep, extended on a bad Orlando team. So there is some concern that maybe they get a Chet Holmgren and we see Wendell Carter go down, but he's not even 23 yet. And even on the entire year, if you want to throw a small sample size at us, Wendell Carter is 75th overall in nine cat on the entire year. So Wendell Carter, got to move him up. Another guy who has just, he's a product of just ridiculous opportunity. And that's Gary Trent Jr. Because not only is he getting like, 2.2 steals a game, but he's also doing that by playing 35 minutes a game. He's got 1.9 steals a game. Gary Trent, I mean, the Raptors run like a six-man rotation, so it is not a surprise to see him have to move up the dynasty rankings. Yeah, he was a huge surprise. We knew, I thought he was a one-trick pony, Uh, just, you know, three-point shooter, going to get you points, going to get you threes, uh, good free throw percentage, but man, he's, he's really up those steals, as you mentioned. He's almost at to a game, which is incredible. So uh, maybe he's found a home there in Toronto long-term. We'll we'll see. He fits really well in that backcourt. And as you mentioned, the minutes are there. So, and I don't see anybody that's going to be able to contend and take some minutes away from him moving forward. So the minutes are there for him. The production's there. And absolutely, that's a recipe to move him up. He does have a pretty limited fantasy game, basically points, threes, steals, and barely free throw percentage. But those are some pretty valuable categories. And it's not like he's a scrub everywhere else. It's not just not a massive positive contributor. So now, now if those steals go down, so that's something to watch the second half. Um, since January, he's been at 1.5 steals. So he's, he's really kept it up pretty much all year. We can't mm-hmm. say that it was due to a hot start. But that's something to definitely watch next year if he's back to around like one. Um, that's really going to decrease his value quite a bit. Yep. So I ran the numbers on it because I was like, there's no way 1.9 is going to be sustainable for the rest of the career. So I wanted to see what a good projection for Gary Trent was going to be. He's currently at 37th and nine cat. If you drop those steals from 1.9 to 1.4, he only drops down to like 55. So he's still an extremely valuable player, probably not top 40 for the rest of his career, but still valuable enough to have to move up into the top 75-ish range. Another guy, somebody that we differed on quite a bit, Jonathan Kaminga. And I moved Kaminga up a ton. I moved him all the way up to 79 from like the 110, 120 range that we had him before. You kept him around the 102 mark, which is still a boost, but Man, what Kaminga has been doing since the trade deadline with Draymond Green out is just absolutely encouraging for a guy who has so many physical tools that you just need to build on for skill. He was someone I thought was really going to take a lot of time, like two, three years to really develop. And and then maybe in year four, we really see the, the true potential that he has. But man, year one, just coming out of the gate looks really good. Um, obviously we knew he was a physical freak, but he fits really well in the modern as a modern day four. And I'm just really glad the Warriors are giving him time because it it was something that really concerned me at the beginning of the year. Both him and Moody was playing time. And that's really the main reason why I haven't made the drastic increase in rankings like like you did. I have him uh, sitting at just outside the top 100 at 102. Um, very similar to how I had ranked Vassell coming into this year, just just outside that top 100. I do want to see 
uh, the more consistent playing time in him before I, I make another big jump. But uh, he's definitely a guy that's leaning towards next year, moving him up even further. Yep. So in 25 minutes a game for the last three weeks or so, Kaminga's at 14 points, one, three, five boards, 1.5 assists, 0.8 steals, 0.9 blocks on 55 and 76 shooting. And he's good for 135. So, you know, if you scale those minutes up to 30, you get a little bit of improvement in there. Even if the efficiency goes down from the field, the, the efficiency from the line might go up. That's a really, really good player, especially when we know how valuable wings are in this league. So another guy uh, getting into a couple couple bigs here, uh, Onyeka Okongwu. Man, he has shown some flashes lately. Clint Capella got in some foul trouble these last couple games early, and so Okongwu played like 15, 16 first half minutes and does so many good things on the floor, and not to mention that Clint Capella isn't exactly the most durable. So Okongwu jumped up quite a bit in our rankings, which we've kind of been predicting. Like, I know that's been a big thing in the fantasy or the dynasty community is Okongwu, 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 because he's coming. And it seems like he might be here. Yeah, patience is a virtue with him. And I think that's what everybody said when he got drafted by the Hawks was, man, this guy's got so much talent. His fantasy game looks fantastic. You just have to wait him out. So for those of you that drafted him and have held him for up until now, you have to be really happy with, with the way he's looked. I moved him all the way up to 85. Uh, that's more so because of not only his skill set, but the value that young big men have, as we mentioned with Wendell Carter Jr. He's in the same boat. I mean, he's he's only, I believe he's what, 20, 21? He's 21, yep, just turned 21. 21. Uh, so I mean, it, he's going to be getting bigger minutes sooner rather than later on that team, and there's no reason for them uh, to not be shopping Clint Capella this offseason with the way Okongwu has looked. Okongwu last three weeks, 114th and nine cat in 19 minutes a game. It is buoyed by 1.3 blocks, 80% from the field. But man, if he can crank those minutes up to 25, he's just going to be a nine cat monster, especially. It's kind of, it's kind of what we talked about with um, Time Lord, Robert Williams. It's yeah. I mean, per minute beast. It's just, when, the, when are the minutes going to be there? And I actually feel more confident in Okongu getting minutes long-term than I do Robert Williams moving forward. There's just not the health risk, you know, like Time Lord, yeah. he would get those big minutes. He'd get hurt. He'd slowly work his way back into the big minutes just in time to get hurt. Okongu just plays. And, and plays uh, winning basketball. Yeah, he, he does a lot of good stuff. So really excited to see what he does. Not excited because I'm a Clint Capella owner, but, <laughs> you know, I'll just let you guys be excited about Okungwu and I'll take the hit on Capella's value. So now we're going to get into some Pacers because, of course, we are. But it's deserved because Isaiah Jackson has been unreal in the last three weeks. Now he did just play the last couple of games. He missed uh, before the deadline with an ankle injury, which was a bummer, but Holy smokes. The guy is at 1.5 steals and 2.5 blocks. I believe just absolutely ridiculous production. He gets off the floor so quick and is a guy that I just, you watch him and it's just like, okay, yeah, he's going to shoot 75% from the field for most of his career because he can just dunk everything around the rim. Yeah, he looks great filling in for Miles Turner. That's going to be a lethal combo. I know you're super excited about that. Uh, but yeah, when we looked at the, the outline here, I saw two pacers. I was like, oh man, here we go. But as you mentioned, both of these guys, Isaiah Jackson and O'Shea Brissett, well-deserved. Obviously, the pacers are going more towards a 
what seems like a quicker rebuild. Uh, but there's absolutely no reason that both of these guys won't be a big part of that that build moving forward. Uh, I pr- project both these guys next year to come be coming off the bench. I know you can talk more about that, but their minutes should be stable. And that's the big thing when we're talking about young players is that they're getting consistent minutes night in and night out. So the biggest thing that's going to help O'Shea and Isaiah here is the pace which the Pacers are playing with because Halliburton flies up the floor. It's absolute chaos. If you watch the Pacers, it's chaos. You can, they'll win the first three quarters, then they'll blow the fourth quarter lead, which is perfect for me because they're going to get a better pick. But Isaiah Jackson, it's a very, very small sample size, but 18 minutes a game, 13 points, one steal, 2.7 blocks, 75% from the field. Good for 84th in that stretch. He's just, he's just incredible. I love watching him. O'Shea Brissett is a guy that I have constantly been higher on than just about anybody else around because I'm the only one in the dynasty community that seems like they watch Pacers basketball. He does so many good things on the floor. It's impossible to not have him out there, especially on a Pacers team that doesn't have wings. He is playing 33 minutes a game in the last three weeks, seven games. He's 129th overall in nine cat because he's shooting 60, sorry, 50% from the line, which is just not good, obviously, but 16 points, eight boards, 1.1 blocks, 0.9 steals. Like he just does so many good things on the floor that it's impossible to not move him up just a little bit, even though the 33 minutes is unsustainable. And I project he'd be closer to 2025 soon as next year. Yeah. You were the guy that were, was so high on O'Shea and I was really uneasy about where to put him, but he definitely looks like he belongs in this league first off, and he will definitely have a role with the Pacers moving forward because, like you mentioned, he does do a lot of good things. He's very versatile. Um, he can shoot the ball pretty well. So uh, he'll, be, he'll be in the league for a while, and uh, that's good to see. Moving on to a couple other wings, former Lakers teammates. Uh, we've got Kyle Kuzma, who is inside the top 50 in the last three weeks because he is playing 36 minutes a game for the depleted Washington Wizards. He's scoring 22 points a game, nine boards, five assists. What in the world is happening with Kyle Kuzma other than the fact that Chris F. Porzingis isn't playing, Spencer Dinwiddie isn't there, Bradley Beal isn't playing, and they just brought in Thomas Sadoransky because their point guard situation is so bad. Other than that, what's going on? Well, I think you mentioned that the uh, 35 plus minutes per night is certainly helping him out. And I just looked at our rankings on where we have him, and, and we're, we're both pretty similar, uh, just having him outside the top 100. And I think that's fair. I think you have to look at what Kyle Kuzma's doing. And obviously, you're ecstatic for the way he's playing right now, but you do have to kind of keep reel it in a little bit and keep in mind, okay, they don't, they don't have Beal. Um, they don't have Porzingis right now playing for them. So uh, we'll see how the, what this team looks like moving forward. It seems like heading into this offseason, they're a, definitely a candidate to be making some substantial moves. Um, so that's definitely a team I'm really interested in watching and what they do moving forward. And that will um, either help or hurt Kuzma's value. Uh, heading into the future. But from what he's been able to do, he's 26 years old. He really needed to prove it this year. And he's definitely done that. And you have to be excited about that if you've been holding on to him now since he was since his Laker days. Yeah, he's 81 on the year for nine cat, which is not at all like unsustainable. 34 minutes a game, 17 points, nine boards, three assists. So he does, he, he, again, he does a lot of good things and he's actually a good basketball player. You know, it's one of those things where once a player leaves the Lakers, you're like, okay, are they actually good enough to have Bleacher Report highlights all the time or not? And <laughs> it turns out if he would have done the opposite and shot poorly and, and oh, yeah. had a, a very poor season, we would have been, he would have been outside of our top 200. Probably he would have been it, done, you know, it been so, awful. 
it was definitely a make or break year for him. And it's, it's good to see him stepping up and, and being the player that uh, we all thought that he could be when he was getting um, basically a six man role for the Lakers. Yeah. So we mentioned Lakers teammates and former Lakers teammates rather. And Josh Hart is the other wing that we want to talk about right next to Kyle Kuzma in the season long rankings at 82 playing 34 minutes a game. I love Josh Hart. He does so many good things. Once again, just a guy who goes out there, plays basketball and is just good. And so Hart in the last uh, couple weeks has been killing it over in Portland for a team who's trying to lose. He keeps willing them to wins. Uh, he is only inside the top 80. So pretty consistent from before the break to after. And we just had to move him up because he's a guy that gets playing time. Doesn't really hurt you anywhere. Has a really good field goal percentage for a guard and really good rebounding for a guard. So got to, got to respect the production. I know a lot of people knocked that trade when uh, the Blazers sent McCollum over saying that they didn't get enough back. That was seemed to be most of the news that I read was they just didn't get enough back. But man, Josh Hart, as you mentioned, is a really good player and he's going to go a long way to helping that Blazers team win ball games, which is ultimately what they're trying to do. As far as a fantasy perspective, I mean, he's, he's out from underneath Ingram's wing. He's out from underneath Zion. Um, and he's kind of doing his own thing. He's pretty much the second option now on the Blazers. And we're getting to see, what Josh Hart can do offensively. We knew the rebounding was fantastic for the position he plays. Um, defensively, he's a really solid player, going to get you a few blocks um, and get you some steals as well. But he's just shooting really well. He's efficient. Um, he just does everything good. And he's definitely a, a player you want moving forward because it seems like he's a guy that fits really well with that Blazers team. And the 30-plus minutes a night he's getting doesn't look like a fluke whatsoever moving forward. You see, that's the thing that's always held Hart back for me is it seemed like he was only going to get 25 minutes a game, which kept him outside like the top 120 or something like that for nine cat. But if he's going to get 30 minutes a night, we're going to respect that and move him up the dynasty rankings accordingly. Another guy who we moved up, but I don't feel great about it, is his teammate Justice Winslow because I have been tricked by the Justice Winslow resurgence multiple times. It's only six games since the since the trade deadline where he went to Portland. But he's playing 32 minutes a game and he's putting up top 75 numbers because he just has so many raw stats that are just ridiculous. And his efficiency is so poor, but it doesn't matter because he's still good. Yeah, I am not buying the hype on Justice Winslow. I did move him up. Obviously, he's in the column that we move players up because you had to. He went from not playing at all to the Clippers to playing 30 minutes a night at the four. And he looks really good as a modern NBA four other than the fact that he can't really shoot that well, but he does a lot of other good things that contribute to winning games. But I, I have no idea where he's going to be. I don't know if Portland just got him in the trade back for salary purposes, or if they see him as a bench piece moving forward. Um, obviously, Nazir Little should be the future on that wing rotation for the Blazers, but you never know. Winslow can carve out a role, um, so we moved him up. But I am definitely not overreacting. If I have Justice Winslow, and obviously a lot of fantasy playoffs are either starting this week or next week. Uh, I am trying to sell him as fast as I can to any contender that needs a player um, with his certain skill set and their build. Um, so I'm looking to sell Winslow right now if I can, just because there's a lot of unknowns moving forward with him. I will say about Winslow's role moving forward, Portland is a team that has just looked for wings forever. They had Robert Covington. They don't have Robert Covington. They had Norman Powell. They played at the three. They don't have him either. They had Larry Nance. They don't have Larry Nance. So they have a vacuum of minutes on that wing. And Josh Hart can't play the four. Nasir Little can, but 
you just have to have other wing options. And so Justice Winslow probably won't be getting 32 minutes a game from here on out, but he could stay on that team and have somewhat of a role. So have to move him up just a little bit. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see if he's just back to not being in any rotation next year, and then we'll drop him back down to where he was before, before the trade deadline. So uh, another guy, Bobby Portis. Man, has he been having a crazy year. I believe he's inside the top 50 for the entire season. And it's a guy that we should have been talking about all season. Uh, We just keep waiting for Brooke Lopez to come back. But back surgery at 33 is not something that we really want to be uh, holding against Bobby Portis because he's 26 years old and playing extremely well. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, he's he's in in the top 55 this year overall in nine cat ranks, which is just Incredible for a guy that's not even playing 30 minutes a night. I mean, he's averaging 15 and nine, getting you 0.8 steals, 0.8 blocks, uh, 48% from the field and 74% from the free throw line. So not hurting you anywhere, but basically contributing everywhere but assists, uh, which is which is really interesting. He fits that team really well as, as kind of a, a stretch five that can shoot the three, and that's all they need. I love the way Milwaukee's built that team. Uh, they're going to go pretty far in the playoffs again just because their roster construction is phenomenal. Uh, it, just those fives that they have. I don't know. We talked about this before the show um, with Brooke Lopez having that back surgery. I have no idea if he's going to come back next year. I would like to think that they want Brooke Lopez to return, um, but ultimately his health is going to decide that. And in the meantime, we've seen what Barbie Porters can do with even 23, 24 minutes a game. And now we're seeing what we can do. He can do close to 30 minutes. Um, and somebody that's moving up and his stock is continuing to rise. So before the trade deadline, I posted a piece, a free piece for shallow leagues and then a piece for a fantasy pass subscribers for sports ethos. And I said, Denny Avdia is a guy you need to trade for before the trade deadline because his per 36 stats are good enough for top 75 value. And do you know what Denny Avdia has been doing since the trade deadline? 10 points, seven boards, two assists, 1.3 steals, 0.6 blocks, 42%, 88%, nothing crazy but just solid all the way across the board and has plenty of room for improvement. Now that he's finally getting rotation minutes that he wasn't getting before the deadline, he's getting 24 a game, but playing with so many ball handlers and guys that take so many shots that it's just hard to get comfortable in a role like that. But Denny has been really good and have to move him up accordingly. Yeah. He's playing about the same minutes he did last year, but he just looks a lot better, especially as you mentioned, since the deadline, Uh, he started out the year a little slow. The minutes weren't there. Now, again, is this a product of, you know, not having Beal there, not having Porzingis on the core? He's getting the consistent minutes now, um, which is huge for his development. Again, I I just kind of caution with this Wizards team, all of these players, that you just never know what they're going to look like next year. But Avdija is a guy that I am buying. I'm not selling him. Um, I absolutely want him on my team. I think he's his improvement his versatility. Um, he just looks like a guy that belongs in this league and looks like somebody that wash a, a player that Washington uh, needs to keep to continue and give him minutes, whether that's a, as in a starting role or off the bench again, with his versatility, being able to play multiple positions. He's one of their better on ball defenders too, which is very important for a team like that because they don't have very many positive defenders on the team. So got to keep him around. So last guy that we moved up a significant amount that we need to talk about is Trey Mann, who. We have been critical of overhyping Thunder players because they're just replaceable with the amount of picks that they have. But, and not only that, but there's SGA and Giddy too that are ahead of Trey Mann. But what Trey Mann has been doing scoring the basketball here lately 
is respect like he'll have a role in the league. It doesn't it doesn't even have to be on OKC. He's a rookie, so obviously he's going to be there for a little bit. But man, he looks good when he's scoring. Yeah, he looks great. He looks like a guy that belongs in the league. He was somebody I liked coming out of Florida as a sort of a combo guard, but I didn't like the fit the team that he went to, um, knowing that they had Giddy and SGA ahead of him. But man, he looks really good in the last two weeks. He's averaging 32 minutes per game. Or sorry, yeah, 32 minutes per game, 21 points, four boards, three assists, a um, couple steals. Obviously, his his steal rate isn't going to be that high, but um, the guy can put the ball in the bucket. And, and in, the, in the NBA, that's what you want, whether that's a sixth man or an off-guard starting role for him. Uh, he looks like he belongs. Now, the only thing that worries us, and we've, we've hit on this so many times, we don't need to explain it, is OKC's billion draft picks that they have. Uh, but they do need talent, and Trey Mann obviously possesses that. So I wouldn't be too concerned if you have him. You have to like what you've seen from him. Now on to the negativity, because we did move quite a few guys down. Uh, first and foremost, Rashawn Holmes. I Man, it's it's such a bummer that the Kings didn't move him to somebody else, because he's so good for fantasy, but he is not good this year to close out the season. He's behind DeMontis Sabonis. He's had an eye injury that's been weird. It's been bothering him. He hasn't been nearly as good as he was last year. It's just been a more or less forgettable season for Rashawn. And it's definitely a buy low if possible. Um, I just I just don't know what, what the season's going to look like for him. And if they don't move him in the summer, then it's looking really bleak for Rashawn next year too. Huge buy low though. If you were writing an article about buy low players right now, he'd be a probably a top two, top three guy that you want to try and go out and get if you can. Um, you know, as we mentioned, playoffs are starting soon. If there's a guy that was counting on Rashawn Holmes production and you can maybe send another big for him um, just off, you know, the top of our heads who would like a Brandon Clark or somebody that's looking really good and you can acquire a guy like Rashawn Holmes, I would go ahead and try and do that. Um, but yeah, I, I kept him inside the top 100 because we know the type of player that he can be when he's getting 25 to 30 minutes per game, uh, he helps you everywhere. doesn't hurt you anywhere, uh, especially that free throw percentage for big men is huge. And he's capable of shooting really well from the line. So somebody is on a, a team friendly deal. Hopefully he gets traded. I don't see any reason why the Kings would want to hang on to that contract for a backup center, but you never know. Maybe they'll play both Sabonis and Holmes at the four or five. Who knows what they're going to do. It's I the hope Kings. they do. I would love <laughs> to see another team suffer with two bigs as long as yeah. we did. <laughs> you never know. But, uh, for now, I think he's warranted, obviously, to move him back, and he will be shooting right back up to the 70s as soon as he finds a home. Moving on to a couple Pistons. We had Killian Hayes dropped down, but that was less about us not believing in Killian and more about people leapfrogging him, like Bobby Portis, Josh Hart, Kyle Kuzma. A lot of guys just jumped ahead of Killian, so it's it, it's not a reason to panic about him, but it's just there's so many guys that improved this year, and uh, Killian just frankly hasn't he does pretty okay on the court but his fantasy game just has been pretty lacking for a guy who relies so heavily on assists and steals it's just not not feasible to keep him up as high as we had him and then beef stew isaiah stewart who travis and i have not been nearly as high on as the rest of the dynasty community for the exact reasons that we're seeing this year and it's that he's 177 in nine cat obviously that drops down because his free throw shooting is abysmal but 26 minutes a game and he just doesn't look like a starting big that's going to guarantee 30 minutes a night and the Pistons are bad. You know, 
it'd be it's different than Wendell Carter Jr., who's shown the ability to be versatile and to even play next to Mo Bamba because he can shoot the three. Beef Stew cannot. He has not. He showed he could towards the end of last year, and that's just completely dropped off the face of the earth. Beef Stew had to drop him down quite a bit. And I like Isaiah Stewart as a player. I don't want to hate on him too much, but he's just so limited as as far as his fantasy skill set goes. And just as an NBA player, he looks like Nerlens Noel was was the guy that I comped him to. I think before the season, just a, a backup center who can come in, give you great energy. He's going to be solid in boards, points, shoot well from the field, but he's just a little bit undersized. I know he hustles. He can run the court, things like that. He just seems better suited for a backup five role to me uh, than a guy that you you want to build around. And we know the Pistons are going to be bad uh, for the next year or so uh, moving forward. So they're going to have a couple high picks and he could easily be replaced, but still somebody to, to look at because Again, youth and big men are hard to find. Um, guys that like him that are playing 25 plus minutes a night. And then you mentioned Killian Hayes. I didn't drop him as much as it as you dropped him. I still have him just outside the top 100 at 105, um, but definitely the drop is warranted. Now he looks pretty decent coming off the bench, uh, and I I really like his skill set. I like the assist steals combo um, that guys can get just because that seems like you always need assists and steals in most builds, and he's a guy that can get you both of them. So I'm still cautiously optimistic for Hayes and, and not going to drop him and overreact too much based on this season. Moving on, another wing that is older and is probably the most frustrating player to own, uh, Robert Covington. We dropped him down, and it's not so much about his per-game contributions because on the year, he's actually 63rd in 9-cat. And since the trade deadline, going over to the Clippers, he's 99th. But that's a Clippers team that doesn't have Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, or Norman Powell. And what are the chances that Rocco keeps playing his 20 minutes a game with all of those guys healthy? Maybe high. You could say that it's only 20 minutes a game. It's not that big of a deal. But Robert Covington relies on 1.3 steals, 1.3 blocks to be fantasy relevant. And that's just not a guy that I'm super excited about, especially with the health concerns that we know are there. And the fact that he is going on 32 years old. So he's only 145. So he's still in the top 150 where he should be for somebody who can be as productive as he can in limited minutes. It's just so hard to to try to draft a guy like that. Super high. Which is interesting because, I mean, he's been a top 70 player for what, like forever now, like the past seven years, it seems like he's always inside the top 75. And again, I think he's going to be inside the top 75 to end this year if he can figure out a way to get 20, 25 minutes on that Clippers team. He's a free agent, though, and that's with a player like him. It's it's interesting on, on trying to figure out where he's going to go and, and what his minutes look like moving forward. He could fit really well on a team and play 30 minutes a game, or he could sign at more like a backup role. And if he's not getting consistent 25 to 30 minutes, he's really can be really tough to own him because he's going to have good stretches and he can have stretches where he's not going to help you whatsoever. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, if, if you need stocks, he's your guy, he's going to contribute a little bit for um, a little bit of threes as well. So, I mean, we, we know what he's going to bring. We know his skill set by now. It's just his, his stock is just continuing to go down and down the older he gets um, and the, the less, I guess, involved he is with, with the league, but he's still, I mean, he's still a good defender. He's a good stretch for, and teams want that. I uh, just just don't know how much he has left in the league. It's really just the age and the durability because we do have Matisse Thibel up at the 120 range. So 
they basically do the same things. Matisse is way less of a scorer, but it's just, it's hard to invest a lot into Robert Covington. Speaking of making it hard to invest a lot in, Devontae Graham and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, we tried to tell you. <laughs> we, we, tried, <laughs> we tried to say before the season that these players are getting way too much hype. Devontae Graham is probably not a starting guard on a team. He probably would be if Zion was healthy because he provides some much-needed spacing. But both guys have just not played very well not a very fantasy friendly skill set in my opinion and so we had to drop him down Naw over in utah i don't i don't know what to make of that if anything yeah who knows what he's going to do in utah maybe they can turn him around but i mean he just hasn't been good and i i like Naw coming into the season mainly because i thought he would be able to score a lot coming off the bench and he can get you steals as well and just contribute a little bit but no he's just looked really bad offensively he's just not efficient enough whatsoever. He's not a good enough shooter. He's a, he's a versatile defender, but he's just not somebody that I think, I think the league is kind of starting to sour on him a little bit um, from where he was at the beginning. And then, yeah, you mentioned Devonte Graham. Uh, we knew he wasn't a starter. Uh, I'm not sure what the Pelicans were trying to do with him. Um, I knew they needed shooting so bad that they were able to, that they wanted to give up a first round pick to get him, but uh, that just looks bad right now. Uh, he's still going to be a useful player in certain builds, specifically punt field goal builds. He's still going to be really useful for those teams, but his minutes are going to go down surely. And he's, to me, he's destined for a bench role. Naw this year is uh, playing 25 minutes a game in New Orleans. He's 257th in nine cat since he got to Utah, 2.9 minutes. So uh, that is not great for our guy. No, Devonte Graham is actually in the 160 range playing 30 minutes a game prior to the deadline. But after the deadline, bringing in CJ McCollum, Graham down to 25 minutes a game into the 220 range. So, it's just kind of a bummer. Um, it'll be interesting to see what this Pelicans team does in the summer because it doesn't seem like they're done. They're trying to make the play in with CJ McCollum. They're trying to do whatever they can to make sure Zion doesn't request a trade on his rookie contract. But uh, Graham, I I just don't – just had to move him down. Him and Nall had to move him down. So mm-hmm. another guy that we didn't really like – we like the fantasy skill set, but he's just not a good basketball player. Is Thomas Bryant, who – it's a hard, it's a weird Washington team because they had Daniel Gafford. They extended him. They had Montrez after the Westbrook trade. They brought Thomas Bryant back. He's not good, but since the trade deadline, he's actually been like a top 150 player in nine cat playing about 20 minutes a game, which is really all he needs to be fantasy relevant. I just don't know how fantasy, like how many teams are going to give him 20 minutes a game to be a complete traffic cone on defense. Which is too bad because he really, I mean, he was a guy we really liked. He's 24 years old. We thought the minutes were going to be there with Washington. His offensive skill set was pretty solid overall. But as you mentioned, they, they extended Gafford, and that made you pause a little bit. You're like, okay, they're extending Gafford. to a, It was a good contract, so it makes sense. But it just kind of tells you the direction that maybe Washington wants to go in with that five spot um, and then count on their, getting their points and their offensive production elsewhere. Uh, so with Thomas Bryant, he's a he's a free agent. So you you're always optimistic anytime these young bigs are free agents. Hopefully they can land in a spot um, to get some solid minutes, and then you never know injuries do happen. He could be find himself uh, in a starting role somewhere. Um, so you just never know. There we didn't drop him 
too, too much. He's at 172 for us. I know we've probably dropped about 20 spots or so, but that's just mainly due to him not playing and just not looking right. Now he is coming off injury, so let's give him the benefit of the doubt. We'll see how he looks next year, if he can find a home and, and find some consistent low 20s minutes. Yep, absolutely. We already kind of touched on Brooke Lopez. He was an obvious drop because you're 33 years old with back surgery and because Bobby Portis is playing so well. So even when Lopez does come back as great of a fit as he is in that Milwaukee scheme around Giannis, he's not going to be playing 30 minutes a night. There's almost no way. Bobby Portis has been too good. And with a guy like Lopez, you just don't want to run him into the ground being so old and and so we had to drop him down. Two more guys we dropped down that really hurt because uh, Aaron Neesmith and Malachi Flynn were two guys we were really excited about, and we were so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I love Aaron Neesmith. Why can't they just play him? Give him some minutes. Um, I'm not going to lie. I don't watch a ton of Celtics games, but just coming out of college, I loved his skill set. He was, I mean, potentially considered the best shooter in that draft class coming out, and now he's just... He's just not able to get consistent playing time on that team. Um, they got Derek. They brought Derek White in now, so uh, that's not going to help him whatsoever at all. Um, who knows what's going to happen with him? They they offloaded Romeo Langford. I, I just don't. I don't know. And we had to drop him down just because there's there's so many unknowns with with Nismith. So I really wish he'd get some playing time. The same goes for Malachi Flynn. We we loved him at the beginning of the year. Thought. Um, with them moving on from um, drawing a blank right now. Uh, Lowry. Yes. Move on from Kyle Lowry. And then taking uh, Scotty Barnes, not taking Suggs. Exactly. Yeah. It all just came together for, for Malachi, but, but no, Nick nurse likes to play FVV 40 minutes. So there's just, there's no room for, for a backup point guard in that system. <laughs> Aaron Neesmith and Malachi Flynn playing about 10 minutes a game, which is just not what you're looking for. Um, when it comes to fantasy value. So that's a bummer. We're going to move on and talk about a couple guys that we had drastic differences in and not going to harp on too many of these, but the first one, Zion, I had him low. You had him high. There isn't a wrong answer because who the heck knows what is going to happen with Zion, uh, whether it's in new Orleans or somewhere else. It's, it's so hard to project what he is going to be when he comes back and the health risk is just there. I'm, I'm sorry. It is. Yeah, we talked about you could have Zion ranked in the 50s. You could have Zion ranked in the 30s. And both guys would be right. Both guys would be wrong because there's there's so much contrast in his game and what he can provide for you. And then obviously we don't – that's not even getting into the health risk. Um, who knows with what where he'll be moving forward. Um, he could be on a completely new team by the time we're talking about him next year. You really never know. But there's no, de no denying the talent that he showed when he was healthy. And we had him – in the what was it, the top twenty, top fifteen? We haven't yeah, said the top fifteen. He was close to top ten. Start the of the season. Yeah, the beginning of the season. So, I, again, I, I try not to overreact too much, and I don't want to drop him drastically far. But I just kind of settled in the thirties for him, um, just based on missing this whole season. And, and we'll we'll see, and we'll reassess heading into next year. I dropped him a little further than that just because the fantasy game is not super friendly with him being so volume heavy, such a negative in the free throw percentage, which is crazy because I usually punt free throw percentage, but he just doesn't get the steals of the blocks to, to really warrant being up that high when you factor in everything else. Two other guys that I'm higher on than you are, are the Warriors young guys, uh, Kaminga and Moody. We already talked about Kaminga, but Moody is mostly just a product of his G League production because in 36 minutes, only four games, so small sample size, but 
32 points, six boards, two assists, 1.8 steals, five threes on 51, 41, 80 splits. He's just good. He's too good for the G League. And I was really excited about him and really hope that he can get some more run on this Warriors team because I think he's very, very good. Both guys got moved up. Both of us moved him up. It just so happened that you moved both guys up quite a bit more than I did myself. And I, and I think I kind of mentioned it a little bit with Kaminga. It's more so playing time for me rather than talent. We both know these guys possess a ton of talent. Uh, but I, I just don't know when when they're going to be able to get consistent playing time. The Splash brothers are back. Uh, Draymond, if he can get healthy. Andrew Wiggins is still there for at least another year. Um, so I, I don't know if the playing time is going to be there consistently for these guys when I'm looking at the next two to three years. Um, and they need that playing time for development. So hopefully, hopefully uh, Kirk can see. I mean, I mean, he obviously sees with Kaminga the, the talent and the versatility that he has. Hopefully he sees the same thing with Moody because, as you mentioned, those G League numbers are off the charts. Moving on, Isaac Okoro is a guy that we were different on. And to me, this isn't about opportunity. It's about stat set. It's about production because Okoro just doesn't do very much that like is fantasy. It's like it's exceptional for fantasy. He's in top 225 in 29 minutes a game because he just doesn't do anything. His most positive category is field goal percentage. And that's just not what you want from a wing guard who's playing 29 minutes a game. You'd hope that there'd be some better raw stats, and there's just not. Yeah, I kept him pretty high. I, I'm, I, I like his defense, so I, I think he's a guy that can, can do a little bit better on the defensive end and provide a little bit more than the .8 steals that he's showing. Uh, we knew his shot was a work in progress. Um, obviously, it has not improved this year like we thought, and there's a lot more offensive firepower on that team now, so he's definitely playing fourth or fifth fiddle uh, when he's out there on the offense, but he's still only 21. And as you mentioned, he is getting close to 30 minutes a game. And uh, you give me a, a 20 year on year old, who's getting 30 minutes a game. It's hard for me to, to not have him keep him inside that top 150 range. And again, Okoro, I was just really high on him coming into the year and what he can do on the defensive end. And then if he can develop a shot, uh, obviously that he can soar from there, but that hasn't happened yet, but I'm still holding out, and I don't want to overreact too much based on this year, and there's a lot of changes on that Cavaliers team. So hopefully he can find a, a way to fit in because the minutes and opportunity are still there for him. A guy who's not really getting minutes and opportunity because there's a player at his position that we just strongly dislike, uh, which is Obi Toppin is the guy we're talking about, and Julius Randle is the guy we, we don't really like. But Obi is just a weird player to me because he just doesn't – do very much in a fantasy sense and that combined with him being 24 already combined with him only playing like 15 minutes a game before the deadline it's just hard for me to to value him very highly I love his athleticism though that's I just wish the Knicks would play him more and I I hear that all the time from Knicks fans and I see it on Twitter like you know Toppin needs to get more minutes because he looks super athletic when he's out there and it looks like a guy that can really provide some energy, a, a guy that can play in the pick and roll game really, really well. Uh, so hopefully they start to give him some minutes or he finds minutes elsewhere. Because as you mentioned, the clock is ticking on him. He's 24. Um, that's not to say that he's too old, but he does need to start um, finding some more playing time in this league. And I, I hope the Knicks can give that to him next year. It's a weird balance of him being old for a rookie, but also not really contributing that much as a rookie. Like for a guy who's supposed to be ready-made for the league and had such a successful college career, but it could just be familiarity with the game and just being in a outside of Tibbs rotation that we know is uh, very heavy on the starters. Um, 
that's it. That's all. That's all the guys that we're going to talk about from this iteration of our rankings. If you have somebody that you see in our rankings that you want us to discuss why they moved up or down, even if it's not drastically, please let us know on Twitter at Rhett underscore Bauer and at Travis underscore Fuller 92. Please go follow us on Twitter for the podcast as punt intended pod. Go on wherever you get your podcasts from and give us a five-star review check out everything over at the sports ethos website i've got a deadline piece coming out uh reflecting on the predictions that i made pre-deadline and trying to learn what we did wrong and what we did right just didn't get the right results so be on the lookout for all of that and as always thank you very much for tuning in